0: you haven't already, check out Necronomapod on CastBox, a top podcast app on iOS and Android with more than 28 million users worldwide. CastBox has a brand new way to find content you'll love. Just enter a keyword or phrase and the app searches the show titles and transcripts of every single episode to deliver exactly what you're looking for. Download CastBox today and see for yourself.
1: In part three of our look at Scientology, we'll complete our exploration into the life of L. Ron Hubbard. We'll follow Hubbard as he sets sail on the seas and talk about the ways he punished his followers for their wrongdoings. We'll also explore his theory on a certain alien, members taking orders from 13-year-olds, Scientology attacking its critics, and how they managed to infiltrate the federal government. If there's one thing this episode teaches us, it's that at least these morons aren't sexual predators. I'm Mike. I'm Ian. And I'm Dave. If you thought parts one and two of this sort of tale were off the
0: rails, stick around. We're finally, finally going to meet Xenu. This is Necronomopod.
1: L. Ron Hubbard, the father of Scientology, claimed that humans are immortal spiritual beings composed of body, mind, and spirit. But he also claimed that 75 million years ago, an evil galactic ruler named Xenu killed billions of his people by sending them to Earth in space planes. You can understand why some people might feel this is, at best, pretty unconventional, and I guess at worst, just plain out there, right? I I can understand that certainly, Katie. That just has no, uh, no basis in in reality. This is one of those things that gets spread around. One of those old stories that gets run around. No, not, not, not in those terms. Dave, do you know what coprophilia is? Coprophilia? Yeah, does something to do with fecal matter? It is an arousal to feces. Nice. I like how you guessed that. Right <laughs> yeah. off the bat. God, I'm not sure geez, how I knew that, but man, I don't want to finish this conversation. <laughs> I'm looking at the 46 sexual fetishes you've never heard of, except for Dave, who's heard of that. <laughs> um, I should have practiced this first. Formicophilia. Like to bang on four mica tables? <laughs> it's an arousal to insects?
0: Hmm.
2: Like you like beetles in your twat or something like that. I guess so. That would be tough. Like imagine being outside in the summertime and there's bugs flying around yeah, and shit. Yeah. Just
1: walking around with a hard on, brought
2: to you by Blue Chew.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> Mike's dream is to get a
0: Blue
1: Chew ad. It really? I want that ad.
0: They've ignored us thus far.
1: Yeah. We're gonna have to start tagging them in our posts. Uh gerontophilia. Like that's, old people, gerontology. To arousal to, arousal to el- elderly. Mm. Uh, oh, this one. cat. How I don't know how to fuck say this. Catophromptonophilia. I don't know how to say it. Whatever. It's arousal. To sleeping people? To have sex in front of mirrors. Oh, that's
2: not bad. It reminds me of uh, American Psycho. Oh, and he likes watching himself
1: in the mirror? Where he's like pointing at himself. Yeah. At Great movie. That's right, yeah. yeah. See, he probably was whatever that word is. What else you got? I can't pronounce any of these. Do Par- your partialism. Partialism. Arousal to a body part other than the reproductive organs. And it says, for example, calves. Huh. Hmm. So, yeah, that's weird. Like, that seems pretty common. I like, like you could be Like, you could, like, a girl's <laughs> legs or, like, a girl's, like, a guy's arms. Yeah,
0: or stomach.
2: Yeah. So
1: it's, pretty, that one. it's pretty common. Yeah, but how was that one no one's ever heard of? Yeah, that website's not accurate. Are you on a church website or something? <laughs> <laughs> Py- pygophilia, arousal to the buttocks. Yeah. Okay. If you're an ass man or an ass female. Urophilia, arousal to urine or urinating others. Golden on showers. Others.
2: Yeah, I was expecting something that's not on a regular porn website that's not a category.
1: Yeah, these are all uh, voyeurism, exactly. arousal to spying on others for sexual gratification. Sure,
2: mm-hmm. Peeping toms. It's you looking in windows. What episode was He's that? like, is that illegal? Yeah, like, That's not illegal, is it?
1: <laughs> Just trying to have... I've fun. never been arrested. Well, so that was a bust. I thought that was going to be more fun. <laughs> Fucking heard of all of those. Except that, right. in, that insect one's a little weird. That one's strange. Do you think you get it. off on like mosquito bites then? You're like, mm. oh, oh, oh.
2: <laughs> That's rough
1: that's yeah that's i'm what trying to think of that in my head I and mean, that's that's wild or like any time like in the summer like you said when you look out your window and you see like lightning bugs you're just like oh god
2: so you <coughs> get like my blue a, chew so you, you get like educational books on bugs and stuff and that's your, your uh, porn yeah jerking <laughs> off to like uh discovery <laughs> channel so books. <laughs> <laughs> head over to the library and get a book on spiders or yeah. something
1: oh what was did well I-
0: a spiders and a racket on an insect so oh, you right. know yeah that's a different phobia. <laughs> phobia. Um.
1: And then I don't think we said this one on the air. We talked about this before. Acrotomophilia. Acrotomophilia is arousal to amputees. It's That's different. That's a different one. I mean, I guess it's possible. Well, you stumped us. <laughs> 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 oh, no. That's terrible. <laughs> I just think of <laughs> Lieutenant Dan Forrest Gump. I know you guys don't because you haven't seen the movie and shit on the movie i mean I've, I've seen it it just wasn't good forrest gump was a part of many things one thing he was not a part of is scientology no he was smarter than most scientologists i think
0: wow it's been bold per- call
1: i think that's been proven yeah. We should also probably start this episode off by clarifying that we lied a uh, a teensy bit. Mm -hmm. We initially thought this was going to be a three-part series, but there's just so much information that we're going to take this to a fourth part. So we're not going to conclude the story today, but we're going to get into some fun stuff.
2: And this this outline was even edited down a little bit.
1: A
0: lot going on here.
2: Yeah,
1: a lot of information in this story. We assumed that you, the listeners, didn't want 16 parts on Scientology. Spent the better part of four months doing one subject <laughs> how
0: many listeners after hearing this four-parter are going to go join scientology do you think any zero zero and i think
1: some scientologists will hear this and actually quit really because we're going to enlighten them it's my prediction
2: uh where we last left off with uh with elron scientology was banned from australia which caused an investigation by england trying to get dirt on the on the people in england that were investigating he hired private investigators, and that backfired on him. So he decided that the best option would be to take a boat out to sea. But before he did that, he issued a letter that would become basically the foundation of turning Scientology into a true cult and justify them using the fair game law. It really justified them doing anything.
1: And the fair game law we talked about, what was that last week? which right. is if you like insult them or put them down, it's fair game for them to destroy you. Right. It's
0: like protect Scientology by any means necessary. Right.
1: Yeah, basically
2: this document was called keeping Scientology working, which is referred to KSW and Scientology speak. KSW lays out 10 points concerning the exact application and preservation of the standard tech in Dianetics and Scientology in the eradication of non-standard tech. And the, the tech is their beliefs. There's no real technology involved. So the first one, having the correct technology, which is knowing all the teachings laid out by Hubbard. Knowing the technology, which is you're passing all your
1: SEC checks.
0: Didn't I put Mike through a SEC check last week? Yes. He passed, I guess. All right. Yeah.
1: Still in. You did say he passed. Yeah. He kind of... So I, I knew my technology.
0: Well, we reviewed it later, and it seemed like you may have had sexual intercourse with a family member based
2: on your answers, because you admitted to that. Do you remember that in real life? (laughs) (laughs) No. I don't remember much of that episode.
1: (laughs) Look, it takes a lot of alcohol to get through Dianetics. So yeah, knowing the
2: technology, knowing it is correct, which means you've cleared everything, that. The needle on the E meter is floating in the middle. You're perfect. You're 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 clear. Teaching the correct technology. This means you become an expert auditor. You pass all the classes, and you hit 40 on the tone scale.
0: Which, if I recall, means you're better than Jesus at that point, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's pretty important. Applying the technology. You're now using the tech in everyday life, and you're able to spread the word to Scientology to uh, to outside members.
1: You're allowed to recruit, essentially, at that point.
0: Right. Do they ever go door-to-door like Jehovah Witnesses?
1: I don't...
2: know. I don't I recall think so.
0: seeing that. You I, come uh, to
1: Scientology.
2: They yeah. don't come to you. Well, I mean, I've seen things and, and heard some stuff, like, down in Clearwater, where where it's real big, is mm-hmm. they'll hand out flyers on the... Uh,
0: on the beach and
2: stuff, probably. Yeah. 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 And, like, when there's, um, like, tragedies or something. Like, I know some of the mass shootings and things, mm-hmm. they've shown up with a tent and kind of they always disguise works. it underneath different things they're never it never just flat out says Scientology is here to do something it's always you know they'll disguise things as like a science fiction contest for writing to get yeah. younger yeah, yeah. people involved and then you do it and you're like oh wait this is Scientology this is, this <laughs> See is yeah this is
1: the prize I wanted <laughs> right
2: so yeah applying the technology you're spreading the word Seeing that the technology is correctly applied, this is about ratting out other Scientologists for having contacts with PTSs, which is a potential trouble source, or an SP, which is a suppressive person. That's what caused, like, the sorry, that cause the downfall of uh, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman, is because her dad was a uh, big time psychologist over in Australia. And they oh, really? And they don't believe in in psychology. Yeah. So she was labeled by the church as a PTS, as a potential trouble source.
1: Interesting. And he chose the uh, Scientology over her. Yeah.
2: They treat him like a fucking god over there. It's pretty wild. Hammering out existence of incorrect technology. And this says that anything or anybody that isn't Scientology should be and can be destroyed. You mean like the Holocaust? That's like Holocaust language. Yeah, that's... It gets dark at that, at that. These last two, the one b- right before, and then this one is like, it's getting pretty, it's getting weird at that point. It's mm-hmm. like, wait, what? Knocking out incorrect applications. This is going after people who try to teach Scientology outside of the church. They call this squirrel busting. <laughs> I think we talked about it before. Sure. Maybe it got edited out. They have those hats,
0: forget. those squirrel buster hats <laughs> yeah. and stuff.
2: Yeah, because Hubbard called them a... Uh, if you were doing that, you're a squirrel. If you're taking it outside. <laughs> closing the door on any possibility of incorrect technology. It's pretty repetitive. And then closing the door on incorrect applications. Again, it's it's pretty repetitive. Those last two are really repetitive. Hammering out the existence of incorrect technology is getting pretty dark at that point. That's over the line there. Yeah. That's, that's you know, saying that the fair game should be taken to, you know, any means necessary. And it's weird. It's like, um you know, that thing with Tom Cruise that leaked the training video where he's wearing the black turtleneck and right. all that stuff. He's talking about, like, KSW and how everybody should, you know, all Scientologists should apply this to their lives and, and follow through with KSW and what the world would be like if there's no SPs in the world and stuff. It's like, you're talking about destroying people that don't believe what you believe. Like, it's really... Pretty terroristic. It's a little strange, yeah. How
0: does Tom Cruise get away with that in Hollywood? It's just, I don't understand why it's so prevalent. and It's, it's weird pairing, I think.
2: I mean, he's a good actor, but he's got some really strange fucking ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's like the Matt Lauer interview where he got all pissed off with Matt Lauer about psychology yeah, and stuff. I remember that too, yeah. yeah. Jumping on the couch. <laughs> he was off the deep end there for a minute. You know, the Oprah
0: and... was jumping on the couch, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, Oprah. Yeah, yeah, he's jumping on the couch. Yeah, he's, like, he, grabbing he her hands and shit and, like, pushing on her. <laughs> he
1: lost it for Fucking a while. Fucking weirdo. <laughs> That's was... where he said, don't be
2: glib, Matt. Let's not be glib, Matt. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay, buddy. Sit <laughs> down, tough guy. You're, like, five foot six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was not happy with Matt Lauer. He got heat with Australia and England with the, um, with the fair game stuff. And KSW would make Germany kind of turn their heads and be like, Wait, what? Because <laughs> there's a specific quote in there. It says, quote, we'd rather have you dead than incapable. Talking about spreading KSW. So Germany, Germany's like, we're not doing this again. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> With this in place and setting up that members should no longer believe in anything but Scientology, Hubbard bought a couple boats and started the Sea Org. The Sea Org was and still is the elite members in Scientology. Not, not the celebrities, but the high-ranking members during the late 60s, early 70s, it was the only place you could go to learn directly from Hubbard. He called himself the Commodore and named the ship the Apollo and said he would be furthering his research while out at sea. Did he
0: have a large library on these boats to do this research? No. Nope. Then
2: people go, well, where, what
0: are you doing
1: research <laughs> I don't think they question him. <laughs> you don't do that in a cult. So this was like the first like cruise. Like Kiss does a cruise. <laughs> jericho does a cruise like they're like the first ever like scientology cruise that's right we'll do a Necronama cruise at some point in the future dude that would be awesome yeah like four days or something and we do like a live show each day yeah i say we do a cruise to the bermuda triangle Mm. interesting We're we're all here take us see what happens
0: that's when the UFOs will show up and try to take Ian. Yeah,
1: well, he'd love it. Get that all recorded. <laughs> we'll stay on the cruise. Drink. Right. Send your down payment of one thousand dollars. to Pod. <laughs> Book your cabin today.
2: Yeah, the only problem with this uh, this Scientology cruise was this, was this shit lasted for like eight to ten years. So <laughs>
1: this wasn't, this wasn't it's a, a four day cruise here. <laughs> okay, Art. week's over. I want to go home. <laughs>
0: eight
1: to ten years. Holy cow.
0: But if you watch some of those documentaries, those people loved it. They said it was awesome.
1: Yeah, they were super pumped. Yeah.
0: Still to this day. Yeah. talking about, about how they the thought dirt, it was a
1: god. Was it the dirty rags they had to wear or <laughs> getting thrown overboard at 6 a.m.? Teaser alert for like two paragraphs for now. <laughs>
2: When Hubbard established the Sea Org, he publicly declared that he had relinquished his management responsibilities. This wasn't true. He received daily uh, teletext messages from Scientology organizations around the world reporting their statistics and income. The church sent him $15,000 a week, and millions of dollars were transferred to his bank accounts in Switzerland. Did he publicly
1: declare that just as like in a hopes to get people off his back? Yeah, just be like, yeah, I'm not the
2: not the guy anymore kind of thing. Hiding in plain sight. Yeah. Members arrived regularly bringing him high-end food for him and his family or cash that had been smuggled from England to avoid currency yeah. export restrictions. Was
0: he sharing this food or were the other people eating beans and swabbing yeah, the deck? No, he's they're... up there eating caviar.
2: Yeah, he's. Uh, it's kind of like a Jim Jones situation. Yeah. He's living the high life and everybody else is kind of
1: barely making But you said that they loved it. So yeah. maybe they were eating okay. I
2: don't know.
1: It's all you can eat sushi, right? You're on a boat.
2: Let's throw the spear
1: in the water. Yeah. Pull out some tuna. Man, Tom Hanks did, learned it just fine in Castaway. <laughs> yeah. When he throws the yeah. thing, it's a good movie. I was like. Yeah, we story. got it. We got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, he looked like he was he was struggling for a minute. <laughs>
2: so not not long after being on the Apollo, Hubbard came up with the infamous OT three, which he called the Wall of Fire. He claimed that while doing the research for this, um, which he compared it and called it through, like he was breaking through a wall of fire to, <laughs> to do this research, that he had broken his back, his knee, and one of his arms. So these injuries were a, a, like a physical manifestation
0: of injuries he received while doing this research? Yeah, like while
2: auditing, whatever. It's <laughs> <laughs> so stupid. Like, I, just, I, I try to picture this in my head, and I'm like... Like what's he do? Like come out of his cabin in the ship, like limping and shit and like, oh, I
1: tear his clothes up a little <laughs> bit.
2: Broke my knee last night last night, breaking through the wall of fire.
1: Like, get some ash from like the candles and like put it on your face. <laughs> like,
0: you just picture him up there in his cabin, where he was feet up smoking a cigar, figuring out how to
2: fuck with people, mm-hmm. essentially.
1: Probably was doing more than just smoking cigars. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so this is this is the famous one. This is uh this is where we get into Xenu when you get to o t three this is like the sacred thing supposedly it's like they bring out this briefcase and it's got this handwritten all this is handwritten from from Hubbard and you read it put it back in and then it's done and it's weird because you Xenu's never brought up again after this and all the ot levels you go up again it's never even mm. spoke of again do you remember
0: Paul haggis and the going clear mm-hmm. St- steering clear going clear going or uh yeah going clear The documentary mm-hmm. the director paul haggis was talking about when he opened this ot3 and he's like what the fuck is this <laughs> yeah. it's like it's just just deranged fucking scribbling that mean you know yeah crazy writing
2: i think he talked about it when, when you you get to this level you're hundreds of thousands of dollars into yeah, this at this for sure. point so it's like you read it you're like eh all right but and then can't really
1: get my money back now so and i other, believe this i guess now well
2: yeah. and the other thing too is um it's a really small percentage of people involved in scientology that have even gotten to this point so um, the majority of members are like with the xenu thing they're like well we've never even read that before so yeah. what the fuck are you talking about with the xenu stuff all right let's talk some xenu
1: He's been waiting for this for it's three weeks. The best weeks. part, <laughs> it's and this crazy. is what they really shit on in South Park, right? Yeah, so, yeah. They, this where they flashed to the where it's flashing, really yeah, yeah,
2: right. <laughs> so Xenu was the ruler of a galactic confederacy 75 million years ago, which consisted of 26 stars and 76 planets, including Earth, which at that time was known as TGIAC.
1: <laughs> you still with us, folks? <laughs> it's already good.
2: Keep up. The planets were overpopulated, containing an average population of 178 billion.
1: That's like New York City now, right, Dave? <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's some good research he did, though. They have that. That's a pretty specific number. Yeah. An average population.
2: <laughs> the Galactic Confederacy civilization was comparable to our own, with aliens, quote, walking around in clothes which looked very remarkably like clothes that they wear in this very minute. In using cars, trains, and boats looking exactly the same as those quote, circa 1950-1960s on Earth. <laughs> so everything just looked the same, but were but millions it was, it, of years it, yeah. ago.
1: It's 75 million years ago.
2: Ridiculously unoriginal. I mean, <laughs> how, how ridiculous? Xenu is about to be deposed from power, so he devised a plot to eliminate the excess population. With the assistance of psychiatrists, he, and this is where you get that whole psychiatrist or evil shit, he gathered billions of his citizens under the pretense of income tax and
0: (laughs) you can't even read it (laughs) it's so stupid
2: i I like how there's these little um these just little hints of like shit that he's pissed
1: off about like sprinkling your (laughs) tax issues (laughs) the evil irs it's gonna like drop something in here about there being too many handicapped spots at walmart there should be less but this is what xenu was mad about 75 million years ago so yeah he was gonna
2: gather everybody up under the this guise of income income tax inspections then paralyzed them and froze them in a mixture of alcohol and glycol to capture their souls
0: is that like they did the han solo froze them in the
1: uh Nobody watches Star Wars, Dave. (laughs) What is that from, like, the 70s? Well, yeah. (laughs) The kidnapped populace
2: was loaded into spacecrafts for transport to the site of extermination, the planet of TGAC, which is Earth. So they brought everybody here.
0: That's like how we kind of shipped all the prisoners to Australia. He's shipping them all to Earth. Similar. So we're kind of a penal... (laughs) We're a
1: a, penal flat Earth. We're a flat Earth... penalists (laughs) what do they drink in australia dave is it fosters
0: australian bia it's bia
2: (laughs) bia it's (laughs) It's
1: like a new thing every episode now anyways
2: so these these spacecrafts were kind of interesting how he described them they what he described them as being uh look like douglas dc eights which are pretty standard planes that we have. Yeah, back in the 50s and 60s. <laughs> no, that's weird. <laughs> but the only difference being, quote, the DC-8 had fans and propellers on it, and the space plane didn't. So <laughs> They was, had to oh, do <laughs> interplanetary <laughs> travel. See, yeah. So they looked just like the DC-8s. Interesting. But they're different, yeah. though. They're right, different. Just a little different. When they had reached TGIAC, the paralyzed citizens were offloaded and placed around the bases of volcanoes across the planet. Hydrogen bombs were then lowered into the volcanoes and detonated simultaneously, killing all but few of the aliens.
1: How do a few survive that?
2: Uh, Maybe they dug a tunnel underground. And they were supposed to be frozen, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Also, how did they
1: survive being frozen?
2: <laughs> ah, I have questions. They didn't. They didn't. Here, I'm going to explain uh, that to you.
1: See? I've got questions. He's got answers.
2: The now disembodied victim's souls. So they're dead and their souls are, are out. Uh, which Hubbard called Thetans. I was just going to
1: say, aren't those Thetans? Yeah,
2: we we touched on them in 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 um last, in the last, last part.
1: It, it, uh, o- that was T- one of the w- few things that somewhat made sense yeah. in Dianetics.
2: So OT1 gets you into the realm of Thetans, and this is explaining to you where these Thetans came from. This is the
0: origin story.
2: Right.
1: And then the Thetans, will go ahead, you can yeah. do your
2: thing. And- the victim souls were Thetans, were blown into the air by this hydrogen bomb blast, they were captured by Xenu's forces using a quote electronic ribbon and sucked into quote vacuum
1: zones around the world. <laughs> Are you with us? Are you with us, folks? <laughs> around the world being TGAC, which is Earth, that they just blew up with hydrogen bombs. They blew up the volcanoes. Okay. Earth is here. We're, we're hanging out. We're, yeah, here. we're
0: here still.
2: Okay. Right?
1: <laughs> I got I, it all makes sense.
2: The hundreds of billions of captured Thetans were taken to a type of cinema where they were forced to watch a quote 3D super colossal motion picture for 36 days.
1: That's a long movie.
2: Were they at the? At, so it was kind
0: of like a drive-in movie theater with all those 50s and 60s type cars they had back then.
2: Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, well, no, I don't know what planet they were on that looked like the 50s. It wasn't Earth. Oh, they that's brought, right. they brought them here.
1: So a movie that's lasting 36 days, is that a Scorsese or a James Cameron? Yeah, right. <laughs> One of those 2 They're fucking forever.
0: Who were the famous directors in the days of thetans? Mm.
1: That's a great question. I know, right? It could have been Scorsese or James Cameron, and then the thetans jumped to now their current body, right? <laughs> sure. Because aren't thetans, they jump from yeah, life yeah. to life? Yeah. Clearly anything's
0: possible at this point.
1: <laughs> we could literally just say anything and tie it in, and it's going to... Yeah. Yes as logical as what they're saying so
2: this implanted what Hubbard termed quote various misleading data into the memories of the thetans quote which has to do with God the devil space opera etc <clears throat> this included all world religions Hubbard specifically attributed Roman Catholicism and the image of the crucifixion to the influence of Xenu. oh so I all, believe that all this nonsense that we know not even not just nonsense but just a lot of different stuff that we uh, that we think is parts of society has really just been brainwashed into the Thetan. The Thetan attached itself to us, which gives us the memory. So, well, I mean, he did the research. <laughs> Who are we to disagree? Right? He was
1: on sea at the sea for what eight years. Yeah,
2: he broke his back and his knee
1: and his arm. He
0: suffered to find
2: out
1: all of the of stuff. I, I think I'm a Scientologist, guys. <laughs> I'm going to get audited as soon as part four
2: drops. (laughs) So, these two implant stations, which is where these uh, Thetans were watching the movie, Hubbard said that they would have been located on Hawaii and the Canary Islands. Okay. All right. Good place as any. I guess. Sure.
1: Isn't that what they blew up, though, with the volcanoes? Like, wouldn't Hawaii be an area that might be quite possibly tore up a little bit? Maybe Hawaii was one piece of land and they blew it up, and that's why it's islands now. I just, right. I you just solved, solved it. I solved geography. <laughs> all I solved of, all the geography. <laughs> That's it. What was it? Uh, what's it called? When all the continents were still connected? Pangea. Fuck. Pangea. See? It you wasn't it. Pangea. It was the hydrogen bombs in the volcanoes, hmm. I think. Yeah. Good band, Breaking Pangea. Is that for real? Yeah. Who do you like better than them or asking Alexandria? Well known as your favorite band. Breaking, uh, Breaking <laughs> Pangea. <laughs> <laughs> He doesn't actually like asking Alexandria. I just say he does. (laughs) It's funny to me. So in
2: addition of implanting these new beliefs in the Thetans, images deprive them of their sense of personal identity. When the Thetans left the projection areas, they started to cluster together in groups of a few thousand, having lost the ability to differentiate between each other. Each cluster of Thetans gathered into one of the few remaining bodies that survived the explosion. These became what are known as body Thetans which are said to be still clinging to and adversely affecting everyone except Scientologists who have performed the necessary steps to remove them. And you brought it all back around. Yeah. A government faction known as the Loyal Officers finally overthrew Xenu and his renegades and locked him away in a, quote, electronic mountain trap from which he has not escaped. So he's still there? I I guess, yeah. Although the location of Xenu is sometimes said to be in the Pyrenees on Earth, this is actually the location Hubbard gave elsewhere for an ancient, quote, Martian report station. <laughs> okay. TGX was subsequently abandoned by the Galactic Confederacy and remains a pariah prison planet to this day. See? Although it has suffered repeatedly from incursions by alien invader forces since that time. Like lately? Uh, They're still in, trying to invade? I guess. Huh. It's a question for the government, Dave. So, this
0: know. is really all meant to be taken literally,
2: then? Scientology says no. Can mm-hmm.
1: we do you think we could do like a bonus episode where we interview Tom Cruise? <laughs> yeah. And just talk to him about this? He's I not
2: doing do
0: anything
1: else these days, is he? Uh, I don't know. Isn't he, isn't there, isn't he Mission Impossible? Isn't that is there a new for? one? I don't know. I just always assume there's a Mission Impossible mm. coming out. Last one was not that great. I've never seen any of them. Me either. Surprise, surprise. I haven't seen any of them. So I feel like during his research, at some point, mm-hmm. it's not too far out of the ordinary that while you know he's sleeping in his big comfy bed on his ship, like uh, Elron wakes up in the middle of the night and sees like this thing in the sky, and he's like, "Zenu, Z- Elron, re- El- Zenu, <laughs> is that you?" It is me, Zenu, Elron. Wh- what What are you coming to me for? I want you to tell my history. What, what? the
0: fuck are you doing out at sea <laughs> all these
1: years? I'm doing my research. You don't have any books, Elrond. I've written several books. Fiction. You can read them. Science fiction? (laughs) Why don't you start a religion, Elrond? That's a great idea. Can I base it around you, (laughs) Xenu? I don't know what else to say. Why don't you base it around Tom Cruise? (laughs) That's a great idea. Maybe he can play you in a movie. That's a great idea. Are you five foot six? (laughs) The great Zenu is ten foot ten. Well, we'll stack them two on top of each other. CGI, Scientology created CGI. I think it's researched.
0: <laughs> I got, I don't know. I got nothing. Just going off the rails
2: here.
1: We'll just take it from there. I, guess that's good, I don't
2: have anything else. Um. So in in uh in 1988, the cost of learning these secrets from the Church of Scientology was around uh, six thousand five hundred dollars. And this was in addition to the cost of prior courses, which are necessary to be eligible for OT3.
0: Prerequisites, if you will. Yeah, which
2: Just... is uh, well over $100,000. You're pushing probably like 300000 at this point. Unbelievable. Now you can tell how loaded these guys are. Yeah. The belief in Xenu and body thetans is, is a requirement for Scientology to progress further along what they call the bridge to total freedom. Uh, those who do not experience the benefits from OT three are expected to take it again and pay for it again.
0: They give you a test at the end to make sure. How's that work?
2: Yeah, I, I, um, I don't fully understand what you're supposed to gain
1: from this. Well, they're gonna gain money off of you.
2: What? Well, yeah, but I mean, like, I'm, I don't, I, I couldn't really fake find or figure out what the spiritual or whatever benefits to this was but if you don't get whatever they expect you to get out of it then you gotta take your ass back down the bridge and uh, (laughs) figure it out again back to ot2
0: motherfucker Like we said before, Paul Haggis, I wonder what they do. They fake it because he's like, This is just fucking gibberish. I, I would assume, yeah, yeah probably. Because everyone else think they're like, Oh, I'm, everyone else must understand this, so I I'm, don't yeah. I'm have to fake it. And every meanwhile, everyone's faking it because <laughs> they don't want to be the, the idiot that didn't, you yeah, know, it that, didn't that work that for one them. Guy.
2: Well, that's what the past lives thing is when people are saying they're auditing and they're going back and like, Oh, yeah, I was just, you know, doing whatever. They're just making things up, and right. it's just, yeah. Well, they have past lives. I must have past lives, too.
0: I want to have more past lives than they have.
2: <laughs> Sounds about right. Being a member of the Sea Org also introduced an infamous document that all Sea Org members have to sign called the Billion Year Contract. Because Hubbard promoted the idea of reincarnation, members are expected to return to the Sea Org when they're reborn. <laughs> and the Sea Org's motto is, quote, we come back. How do they find their way um, back for a modest billion years? You're expected to come back. <laughs> yeah,
1: it's not too much to ask for your time.
2: Yeah, Scientology like refutes this thing, and they say like it's not um, it's not really a contract. It's just more of a symbol, uh, symbolic. Uh, so they
1: are admitting that you have to sign this.
2: Oh yeah, I mean it's, they're like, well, we don't really mean <laughs> it,
1: but if you could please sign in pen, <laughs>
2: <laughs> and we'll get into part in part four, we'll get into how that gets a little uh, it gets murky with child labor and and some some other things that are pretty questionable with how they have people work Mm -hmm. for free so after signing members report to the estates project force which is the sea org's induction program and members take it can take several years before between signing the commitment and actually attending the induction and what's once the induction is complete the final decision to join is made it's
0: a lot of fancy terms. It's very confusing. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Members who leave the Sea Org are issued a freeloaders bill, retroactively billing them for any auditing or training they received while in the Sea Org.
1: Fucking freeloaders. Yeah.
2: Do they have to pay for all their past
1: lives freeloading too? <laughs> or? <is> that- <laughs> God damn. Maybe. L Ron's like, well, I'm seeing that you lived eight hundred thousand years worth of lives. Well, except we this- cashier checks.
2: <laughs> this whole f- freeloader thing still goes on to this day i mean that's a that's a current thing with them and the billion-year contract is not legally binding. Oh, it it's not? Mean, you, know? no. <laughs> you don't say. <laughs> so, um, Do we know how many people
0: are in the Sea Org? Because didn't we talk about, what, about 50,000 members of Scientology right now?
2: Actually, it's lower than that. I was reading online that it's estimated between 20,000 and 30,000 at this point. And Sea
1: Org is the top echelon.
2: Yeah, you're probably talking a couple thousand people. Mm. If that, oh, I didn't even think that much. If If that. Um, it's a big ass cruise ship. Well, then nowadays it's not a cruise it's right, yeah. So, yeah. Back
1: then, I don't it wasn't that that many people. Yeah. Really? I
0: would say it'll probably die out soon, but
1: you know, Mormonism's still here. That's just as wacky. I think when there's that yeah. much money, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. They own science, so they're living forever. <laughs> Tom Cruise gets better with age or looks better with He's age. He's aging so. backwards. Yeah. Benjamin Button. Mm. Spoiler or uh, surprise? I've not seen that movie. I haven't either. Oh, it's great! <laughs> is that is oh, it Brad awesome. Pitt? Yeah. yeah, I would see it. It looked okay. I like
2: that movie a lot because it wasn't the billionaire contract is obviously not not real, uh, <laughs> not legally can be enforced. They just tell you you're not allowed back in Scientology unless you pay the bill and perform more ethics courses to get yourself back. To okay, wonder you
0: know. how much they value that
2: experience at. Probably like $300,000 or something, right? Aside from doing his research and, and teaching new courses, Elrond said he was starting the Hubbard Geological Survey Expedition, which was going back to the idea of him doing these uh, fake explorations <laughs> that he used to do. What this really turned into was Hubbard would sail port to port around the world looking for gold that he had hidden in his past lives.
1: <laughs> of course he did. <laughs> that looks like a spot I might have pulled pl- uh- <laughs> Hid something? Children, dig. He would draw up maps
2: for members to search when they docked the ship, but, I mean, spoiler alert, there was never any gold found. <laughs> Seriously? Never? Not one time? Somebody finds a quarter, they're like, this is it! <laughs> this is it! He would also gather Sea Org members at night to tell him stories about his past lives. One of his stories was that he was a race car driver millions of years ago in a time that Looked like the Xenu story where it looked like 1950, but they had space travel. So (laughs) stupid. (laughs) He he was called the Green Dragon and uh, set a speed record speed record before being killed in an accident. Then he came back at life after that as the Red Devil beat (laughs) that previous record and then died again in in an accident. (laughs) He's not a very good race car driver, (laughs) is he?
0: They set the speed record. He yeah. keeps dying.
2: It unrelated <laughs> accidents. Well, of course, they're <laughs> two separate lives. Um, then he came back again as the Blue Streak. <laughs> I almost just spit my beer out. <laughs> Beat the record for a third time. And then, <laughs> and
1: then died in an accident. This is
2: the most ridiculous thing. I think seen. we need
1: to have a bonus episode where we all just talk about our past life experiences. Oh, that'd be good.
2: And then in the life after the blue streak, he realized that he was just doing the same thing over and over again. So he stopped the whole race car driving thing and and then just went about whatever was <laughs> oh, going on. Oh, he realized in that,
1: <laughs> that all of his past lives he had been a race car driver? I guess. <laughs> and didn't learn from the fact that he died multiple times from race car driving and maybe I should do something else?
2: Unrelated to race car driving. The accidents. Were so just those were just street
1: cars. The motherfucker can drive three hundred miles an hour, but then you know he makes a illegal turn and gets T-boned and dies on Main Street.
0: Well, Mike, it was nineteen fifty, so there was no seatbelts yet, right? It's true. When, you know, with those
1: cars going five miles an hour, the ones you have to like crank the back to get started. <laughs> It's not the 1915, dude. What are you talking about? (laughs) I don't know. Oh, that's true. The first one was like the the 50s. I'm thinking he's cranking these. I'm thinking he's cranking something.
0: (laughs) Um, I do like that he can control the the respawning of your past life, though, and alter it because you want to change direction. That's pretty cool. I applaud the flexibility.
2: Yeah these adventures for gold and in the, these stories were considered good times in the sea org but they were pretty slim that's mainly based on the fact that they didn't know how to sail a ship of that size <laughs> um was he the actual captain was he steering the ship himself yeah so that's that's the weird thing about this is um this is all based around his so-called navy career that we know is an absolute failure where he was uh Artillerying an empty island, that Mexico owned. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. but in a sub hunter, which is fairly small compared to a three thousand uh, or three hundred thousand ton ship, so no one knew what the hell they were doing. This is
1: like Umshonikio when they buy the helicopter and they, yeah, what yeah. the fuck they're doing? <laughs> like, I yeah, will figure it out. The thing about how hard can it be?
2: <laughs> the thing about Umshonikio that's a little different is they could never really get it off the ground. This is super fucking unsafe because they're out, they're there out in the middle of
1: the water. I'm Shunriki. available in the archives.
2: So he would like he, yeah, he was the captain for you know whenever, but there'd be times where he would like do auditing and he'd just come out and be like, you know what? He would just talk to somebody and be like, you know what? I was auditing and I saw in a past life that you did this and that, so now, now you're the captain. <laughs> and, he, and people would be like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> this is wild learn by doing get on yeah. up
1: there
0: <laughs> I, maybe we'll find this out later but where where did all these stories come from were people keeping journals that they published
2: later where are we getting all this information yeah and there's people that like defected that okay. were part of it and then like later on were like you know just defected I, I know there's a woman in um in going clear that was part of the sea org that was there for like all the gold hunts yeah and yeah, shit. yeah but so at this time too like any good cult leader he had a steady stream of amphetamines which were keeping him going Like any good cult. (laughs) (laughs) Which made him super unpredictable. And like we said in Jonestown, if you're a paranoid asshole, heavy amphetamine abuse is going to make that go through the roof and make you worse. So now we start getting into the punishments that Hubbard would issue out. Initially, if someone messed up, they would have to tie a dirty gray rag around their arm, and they weren't allowed to bathe until Hubbard said so. So
1: what a weird fucking punishment. I got stinky ass people on your boat. Yeah. It's That's st- punishing everybody. Yeah. Well, initially it started out with one. Maybe that was the point though. Cause now we all get pissed at you, Dave, because you're smelling cause you fucked up. And so we're going to throw rocks at you, you know, rocks that we find on the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, things got to the point
2: where, um, like if, like I know, there were things so where they came close to hitting a bunch of rocks and shit because because no one could drive the <laughs> fucking boat. Right. So he got he would get pissed, and then he would throw this huge gray tarp up on the what is he? What do you call that? The is it the mast? The mast? Yeah. So you take down their flag and put a big gray tarp <laughs> up. So now everybody's fucked. So instead of wearing the gray thing around your the arm, the whole ship wears The it whole in ship's shame. done. So no one was allowed to bathe or clean the ship. Now you're you're done.
1: Sounds uh, like a fantastic idea to, <laughs> and way to punish people.
2: People are like, God
0: damn it. I'm here for a billion years. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that contract, man. I just can't get out of it. It got me.
2: It, I, I think it was in part one we talked about that they kind of had a mascot like Mr. Uh, like Mr. Muggs. Whoa, 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 whoa. Nobody is like Mr. Muggs. Well, they had a mascot. And an animal was a part of this vote. And that's where the similarities end. R- Elrond's wife. Mary Sue had a corgi named Vixie that was on the ship. So when when Hubbard was pissed, even the corgi got a gray rag tied around his neck. It's like the corgi's fucked too. Everybody's Jeez.
1: everybody's in trouble. Poor dog. <laughs> was this corgi running the fuck schedule?
2: No, but we'll get to it in a little bit. The corgi actually becomes uh declared clear later on. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. Good
1: for the corgi. Yeah. Motherfucker made it.
2: So accidents continued to happen around the ship. And then we we go from this, this not bathing things to where members would be locked in closets for who knows how long and only being given food in a bucket. Or they would be sent to the bottom of the ship to chip paint for 24 to 48 hours without a break. So, I mean, it's not great. Chip paint. Yeah, I mean, it's not great. It's not Um Shinrikyo level punishment where we're killing people Mm -hmm. and, you know, but yeah. It could be worse, I guess. Yeah. But the most ridiculous punishment that he came up with was that they would just throw people overboard if you pissed them off, (laughs) (laughs) which is just outrage. Walk the plank, motherfucker. (laughs) Get out. Ronnie's not happy. (laughs) People got back on the boat. No one drowned
1: that we know of. But I mean, we know. I'm sure their records weren't very well kept. What? Go ahead. No, go ahead. What would be like the wrongdoings? Like, what would piss them off? Like, what? Just
2: doing the tech wrong. You're fucking up in your auditing. Mm. You're I not... told you to get clear, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. You're not doing KSW correctly. Okay. Throwing people overboard became a daily thing for the Sea Org. Every day, a list would be posted with names of people who were getting tossed. <laughs> and... <laughs>
0: Wouldn't you just go hide somewhere on the ship? You would imagine so.
2: Every day at 6 p.m., everyone would be gathered on the deck, and then Hubbard would read off a list of their crimes. Then they would start to chant, quote, we cast your sins and errors to the waves and hope you will arise a better Thetan. And then they would just fucking start throwing people <laughs> over. See ya.
1: <laughs> Damn. Wait on. It- uh. <laughs>
2: When i imagined it in my head, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of funny. Like I would probably laugh initially at that. But then So but- you fuck up the next day and you're going overboard. <laughs> but then I was like read I was reading more about it and it wasn't like young people. I mean, there were like older women that definitely should not be thrown over a fucking ship into the ocean. And they're doing they're doing what, tossed. eight
1: years straight in all weather and climate. Like what if it's freaking freezing out? You yeah. could die almost instantly. You're going to sure. shock instantly. Bounce yeah. your head off so, the side. <laughs> bullshit that no one died because yeah. they absolutely did. What if you can't swim? Yeah. I, I can't
0: swim out yeah. in the deep water like that.
1: Yeah. Even if, if the waves are tough, yeah. like yeah, fucked. I'm Fuck not, I'm not a strong swimmer. I can doggy paddle and tread water. That is it. If not for very long. Me. I can't. Yeah. Now we'll. Yeah. We're we'll not getting thrown <laughs> off a boat, too. I'm sure. You're not going to be like clear of mind. It's not great, not great
2: to do that to somebody uh, that's not not physically fit. Well, they did, should know, have or, shouldn't have fucked up their tech. Should <laughs> have kept did your KSW correctly. Yeah. So as they traveled country to country, they would uh, they would always eventually be kicked out or refused to even dock. Hubbard would show up places offering all the benefits of Scientology in return. He would want a position in their government, and then in his mind, he would eventually become the president. <laughs> and of course he would believe it or not countries were we not on board with the with that idea <laughs> get the fuck out of here man what are you <laughs> talking about and like i know like he at one point he tried to dock back in england like there were some storms going on and they were like you know we got women and children on here and england's like yeah eh, we, see you later. we'd rather see you fucking die get out <laughs> of here you're not docking. no nope.
1: <laughs> yeah we're not going for that bye
2: but this constant rejection only made the sea Org, sea Org members more loyal to him, which would result in him creating the most loyal group of, of members, the Messengers. Dun, 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 dun. The Messengers started out as a group of girls aged 11 to 13 years old who were in charge of delivering commands to members of the Sea Org.
0: So people brought their whole families on board this thing? They had their daughters that were 11
2: years old? Yeah, and and especially nowadays... They'll like just let their kids go and be like by themselves on the to be part of the Sea Org, and I was listening. I can't remember what I was listening to about it, but it was like the family dynamic is not valued in Scientology because you you've lived all these past lives, you have Thetans attached to you that had their own past lives, and it's like the whole dynamic isn't. You know, it's like say your dad or something you're like well i've fucking lived this past life where i did all this shit and so i don't really have to listen to you kind of that's how mm, i got okay. it i it's really confusing you don't say yeah but they let their kids <laughs> they do, they do let their kids just go and before we go any further with this whole 11 to 13 year old girl thing they there's never been any allegations of sexual abuse going on from people who def- even from people who defected. So,
1: so we are literally in part three of this uh, Scientology deep dive, mm-hmm. and we finally have our first check in the pro column.
2: There you go. There was they Hubbard no was not doing diddling anything. any
1: kids or any weird shit like that.
2: Yeah, that we know of. Everybody, even like I said, even people that have defected said no. So, see,
1: Scientology's mm-hmm. all right. My, book. I'm
2: not saying that. I'm not I'm not saying that all of Scientology is clear. I don't know about that, but Hubbard at least was. Nothing against him. He wasn't doing well, anything. Well, I just, I mean. And well, also, too, they, there was things said that he wasn't having sex with uh, Mary Sue either during he this wasn't time. wasn't having sex. No. I think he was, well, he, I think he was impotent. Because that fucking
1: mangy mutt didn't put a sex schedule together. He didn't know who he was supposed <laughs> to be fucking.
2: I think he was impotent from the uh, all the amphetamine mm. abuse. That'll if only he had Blue Chew. <laughs> Blue Chew available God. now.
1: <laughs> Damn it. We need that sponsorship.
2: It wasn't long before these girls were given full authority to to act like Hubbard himself, and they, they were brutal. He created a, a group of monsters with these with these girls. They would like as if teenage girls weren't
1: monsters <laughs> enough. <laughs> <laughs> it,
2: it was said like they would they like started to like take over his even like his tone of voice and shit. Like they sounded
1: just like him, like little mm. mini versions of him screaming at people. Can you imagine, like, you're on this boat, like, you're doing minding your own business, this 13-year-old girl just comes up and starts belittling you and, like, yelling at you? you can't do shit about it? Hey, you pick her up and throw her the fucking yeah. boat. Then your ass is getting thrown <laughs> over the boat. <laughs> I probably just throw her and the like, Yeah, see ya. I know where I'm going, so I'm just gonna jump to. <laughs> Maybe if I can give her an elbow drop on the way down.
2: I, I, yeah, I mean, that's what this, this was, basically, is you're, you're a grown man or a grown woman, and you're gonna get... Told told off by this 13 year old girl, and you're not going to do shit about it because she's uh, the messengers mm. are number one. These That's girls crazy. became the only people that he tr- truly trusted. Interestingly, he got this idea from Hitler because with young people, you could mold them however you wanted. So that was like yeah. the, the Hitler. Um,
1: Always probably best to go to Hitler when looking for <laughs> guidance <laughs> on how to do things. Right.
2: Jesus I had a Holocaust talk earlier. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yep. Right. Mm. Yeah, and these girls were with him at all times. They would there were stories about like that he would have one walking next to him with an ashtray cuz he was like a two pack a day <laughs> smoker and they would just walk by him with an ashtray and he would ash in it. They did everything for him.
1: Can you imagine you finally like you make it to be like the messenger. You're in like this untouchable group and you're on a fucking ashtray duty. Like, you don't they get to go yell at people. It. You have to stand there and hold <laughs> his fucking ashtray.
2: They probably loved it. Everybody else is living like shit and chipping paint in 24 True. hours. I'd rather be ashing or holding his ashtray.
1: I guess so. Yeah. Are you allowed to switch hands, at least? Because uh, I feel like my arm would get real tired. Yeah, maybe. Maybe yeah. he was just like a like only his right side, though, he'd ash with. And you got to stand there like fucking this the whole time. Your left arm is numb. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's just me. I'm a <laughs> thinker <of> that. <laughs>
2: because he had this close relationship with these girls and all this authority he was given it caused issues with his, with his biological family. And we really didn't get into his other kids because it's, we didn't want to, I didn't want to get too overbearing with some of this shit, but with Mary Sue, he had four kids. He had a son named Quentin, two daughters, Diana and Suzette. And then another, and then another son, Arthur nibs. No, this is not like the older son was nibs. Right. Right. A particular incident in how Hubbard valued the messengers over his own family was when Diana, who was 18 at the time, pissed off Hubbard for whatever reason. He went and told one of the messengers to go yell at her, but this time he told this girl, like on top of yelling at her, spit in her face. Damn. Just imagine it. This 13-year-old girl that your dad values more than you just busts into your room, spits in your face, <laughs> and then is yelling at you in your dad's tone of voice just screaming at you and you can't do a damn thing nope or else your fucking ass is getting tossed off to the side of the ship it's crazy it's a very strange dynamic yeah the messengers is is uh it's a weird and we'll see what it at the end by the end of this we'll see what it turns into but it's it's a weird uh how there's multiple things throughout this whole story even in part where that millionaire guy saved him from saved Dianetics from going under. Mm -hmm. There's certain things that happen here that if they didn't, then it would probably have fizzled out. We'll we'll see what the messengers, how that, how that kind of plays in again. So in 1972, word reached Hubbard that while they were docked in Morocco, that France was planning to extradite him on charges of fraud, fraud, (laughs) this guy, This would be the end of the, of his uh, Sea Org adventures for the time being. And he went into hiding in Queens, New York. Hubbard got an apartment with one of his assistants and did nothing for the first couple weeks but watch TV and just take all this stuff in that he missed out on. Because I mean, they had been out at sea, like I said, this whole thing lasted for like 8 to 10 years. That is wild. Yeah, so he had no idea of anything that was going on in the world.
0: But he has all these millions, no? Why is he sitting in a little apartment in Queens?
1: Hiding.
2: Well, he was hiding out from the government, uh, and he also stayed inside most of the time because he he really stood out at this time. He had a super weird, long red hair and was balding in the top, and he he really <laughs> resembled uh, Bozo the clown. <laughs> and every time he tried to leave his apartment, He was met outside with a group of kids that would just harass him and make fun of him
1: the whole time until he went out, until he went back inside. A lot of kid bullies in this uh, episode today. Hey, Bozo! (laughs) (laughs) What's with the Dianetics? They're like 45-year-old mafia men.
2: It sounded like these kids would just hang out outside and wait for him. As soon as he came out, they'd just start fucking with him. Can we that do it so high funny. pitch?
1: funny. <laughs> hey, Bozo, what's the matter with you? Can't you come out and see us? Face us like a man. <laughs> oh. yeah. Come on out, we are give you the business. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, what did they say back then? Give them the business. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
0: I got nothing. (sighs) Hey, (laughs) Zenoo, get back in the house. (laughs) Why don't you audit my (laughs) cock, (laughs) Elrond?
2: I've got to love kids. They're so sweet. They say the darndest things. <laughs> I, I could I could think of myself in that age range of like fifth grade to seventh grade. That would have been phenomenal to have an adult person to fuck with like that. That would be like afraid of you and run, to just sit outside oh and God. fuck Terrible. with somebody. That's awful. <laughs> fuck this guy. though. He's an
1: asshole. He deserved it. That's true. Yeah. I don't know why we're being sympathetic. Yeah. He deserves it. I think it's hilarious. Fuck him. Um, Ugly ass motherfucker So after- How about I throw you overboard, Elrond <laughs> you know, See if you like it Now <laughs> Travolta's here yeah.
2: <laughs> so, so after spending a year inside Hiding from the French government And this group of kids in Queens Hover uh, went back out to sea with the Sea Org And Operation Snow White was launched so this is a point in the story where shit sort of stops being funny and gets uh, it's a little dangerous and pretty, uh pretty fucking crazy. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. Operation Snow White was Hubbard's plan to infiltrate the government to find out what they had on him. He started this thing called the Guardian Office to accomplish this, and it was headed by his wife, Mary Sue. The actual infiltration of the government likely began when two Scientology members, Gerald Wolf and Michael Meisner, were hired by the IRS as clerk typists. Under the direction of the Guardian Office, Wolf monitored files on tax-exempt organizations and when requested, illegally made copies for Scientology. Meisner supervised both Wolf and the Guardian Office that they had located in D.C., and reported all of this stuff back to Scientology, and mainly Mary Sue Hubbard. In November 1974, Operation Snow White took an unexpected turn when they received word that the IRS would be conducting a meeting on Scientology's tax-exempt status. In response, the church sent a spy to bug the room, and this device then transmitted a signal which was picked up and recorded by Scientologists sitting in a car in a parking lot of the Smithsonian, which faced this office.
0: That's crazy. Yeah.
2: I, I, when I was reading this, I I knew that this happened, but I didn't know the, uh, the extent of how, how deep this went. And it's arguably from what I was reading online, it's argued as being potentially like the biggest breach of the U S government ever. It's, it's fucking Mm. nuts. By the end of December, Wolf was stealing documents from the IRS's chief counsel's office. Just days after Christmas, Wolf broke into the office of Barbara Bird, who's an attorney for the IRS's refund litigation service. This Barbara Bird had been present at that November 1st meeting on their tax exempt status, and instead of stealing the files, this wolf guy had the balls to take them to a copier, made photo and made photocopies using government paper and then took them back to her wow. office.
0: Doesn't this appear to be a shocking amount of access for a clerk typist? Yeah. Like, how does this guy have all this access to these locked it seems areas?
2: Very yeah. simple. Yeah. yeah. When I I know when there was um like when they brought people into interview and when they got caught and everything, a lot of the Scientologists were like, Yeah, it was really fucking easy to to just go in there and do what we did. It's amazing. Man
1: a little terrifying
2: (laughs) in early 1975 operation snow white expanded again as scientology member sharon thomas got employment at the u.s coast guard intelligence agency and scientology member nancy douglas began work at the drug enforcement administration damn (laughs) yeah douglas stole copies and made photocopies of others so they were all stealing stealing documents Attention had been called back to the IRS surveillances. Mary Sue Hubbard had instructed her team to quote use any method at our disposal to win the battle and gain our nonprofit status. So that was the end result here to get that exempt status. Exactly. Because they I mean, throughout this whole story, Hubbard had never paid taxes on anything. When when um when Hubbard died, and we'll get to it, Hubbard died Spoiler
1: alert, Jeez. <laughs> Did he he, he
2: live forever?
0: Well,
2: (laughs) yeah, I thought Xenu granted him immortality. (laughs) When this was taken over, when David Miscavige got the keys to this whole thing, they they owed a billion dollars in back taxes. Unbelievable. Yeah. So he never paid shit. Meisner was directed to implement this thing called Project Horn, which called for him to go in and steal documents that would kind of take heat off the Guardian office. So. Steal other steal stuff about documents that didn't pertain to Scientology, so it wouldn't look like oh someone's just taken Scientology Mm. shit. There's all kind of shit. So it's just one of many that were stolen. Mm -hmm. Right, that makes sense. Yeah, Um, it's
1: actually pretty smart. Yeah, it's not bad.
2: Calls were also made for the theft of IRS stationery in order to forge letters from a fictional disgruntled IRS employee the files on various organizations including Scientology would then be sent out attached to the fake letter the idea was to appear that this pissed off IRS agent was the one stealing shit and
0: it's mm, pretty smart actually yeah good for you alron
2: wolf stole both uh, the stationery and without permissions files on the unification church and bob jones university just cuz it ju- that was maybe that's just what he had could get his hands on yeah, I, I'm not sure why those two... um
1: he so got against Bob Jones University? Mm-hmm. It's Dave another is.
2: piece of shit school that should have their tax-exempt
0: status <laughs> revoked. I was about to
1: say, that's where Dave went.
0: <laughs> Ass clown school.
1: I don't know. I've never heard of Bob Jones University. It's one of
0: those fucking Jesus freaks in the South that used to ban you know interracial
2: dating at their university and all kinds of stuff.
1: Okay. It's still around? Yeah.
2: I think you know. we'll, uh, we'll talk about tax-exempt status... Uh, Especially next week, I think once you get that, you're not going anywhere at that point. You're in for good. You really you're are printing money at that point. Yep. Yeah. On December fifth, nineteen seventy-five, Scientology issued Guardian Program Order one fifty-eight, which <laughs> intended to give L. Ron Hubbard early warning of impending legal action. The plan was called for the infiltration of government agencies that had either the power to issue or knowledge of impending subpoenas. After reviewing this letter, Meisner concluded it would be a better idea to infiltrate the Department of Justice. So of that's, course. I mean, that's like the balls on them. Yeah, it's crazy. Gerald Wolf and Michael Meisner were able to break in into a room and make false IRS identification cards, which allowed them access to the federal courthouse in Washington. Wolf and Meisner then used these cards to gain access to restricted areas and steal more documents. God
0: damn, that's crazy. <laughs>
2: yeah. In May, Wolf broke into the United States courthouse and st- stole keys to the office of Assistant United States Attorney Nathan Daudel. Wolf then took these keys to have them duplicated and returned them unnoticed. Three weeks later, Wolf and Meisner broke into Daudel's office, stealing documents and, as usual, forwarding them to the, to the Guardian headquarters in Los Angeles. Using these fake ID cards, Wolf and Meisner continued stealing and copying documents until they started to raise suspicion from a night librarian at the United States courthouse. She reported her suspicions to the FBI, and she was
1: told by them, if these guys ever come back, give us a call. Yeah. All this infiltration, and it's a fucking librarian who's like, yeah, hey, right. something's not right. <laughs> Somebody's on the ball finally. Yeah. Thank you, librarian. Meisner and Wolf entered the
2: United States courthouse on June 11th around 7 p.m. in the evening. They signed in like they had done all the other times they went there and headed toward the library. The librarian recognized them immediately and stopped them. And Meisner was prepared for this and showed a letter from the head librarian, which was obviously forged on, uh, <laughs> on, their, on the letterhead. Wolf and Meisner continued to the back of the library where they exited into the hallway outside the Dell's office and they saw um and the two saw cleaning ladies were still working so they had to wait yeah so they're they're waiting for these cleaning ladies to get out of the office and the night librarian called the FBI which immediately sent two two agents over after roughly 20 minutes of questioning the FBI agents allowed them to leave Meisner then called the guardian office to inform them the news that they were getting questioned and they were told to immediately fly back to LA on December 6, seventy nine, some five years after Operation Snow White began, it, it officially came to an end.
1: Five years they were infiltrating yeah. all of us. That's a I, crazy
2: story. I glossed over a lot because that thing that whole story is like an episode in itself. Yeah. It's it's huge. And I mean when we cut out a lot of different offices they broke into and you know, they get raided in seventy seven by the FBI and it was like 30,000 plus documents the FBI got Man. from them. While Operation Snow White was taking place, Scientology also had another operation going on against a journalist named Paulette Cooper. This is where we see how dangerous the fair game shit can be. She was an early critic of the church and published the book The Scandal of Scientology in 1971. And she's the most the, the most famous case of fair game being used. So,
0: what was her affiliation? Was she an ex-member? Or?
2: She said an ex-boyfriend of hers. I, b- I believe it was an ex-boyfriend. She found out had gotten involved in Scientology mm. and was talking about in like in past lives that he actually found <laughs> out that he was Jesus or so- something for a while. not that out of the ordinary. So yeah. she started digging into it, and uh, so she
1: had like a winner. Like that's a good one. It's a hot ticket item. A past life, you were Jesus. Oh, her. You boyfriend? could have been a fucking race car driver who died three times, could <laughs> drive in a race car. Or a not unrelated incident, as I've been told, from his little crank, crankmobile. Crankmobile. That was my nickname in college. was always in my room with my lotion. Called me, there's old crankmobile over there. This was before I was Sir Laycock. And the pussy whisperer. Oh, and the pussy. With. That once was- you can whisper to the pussy, you don't need to be in your room alone There's anymore. There is no need to be cranking anything anymore. <laughs> I get it. When you can lay cock and whisper at pussies. <laughs> <laughs> you do not need that. You do need Blue Chew, however. <laughs> when you're going that many times a day, of course. Of course. Check them out bl- at Blue Chew on Instagram. <laughs> I don't think it is, actually. It's like it's something they have like a weird handle. And you're just going to force them to give us. A- <laughs> I almost started following them. <laughs> I didn't. I'm going to start tagging them in all of our posts. Make them acknowledge us. We're giving them so much free exposure here. We're going to make you love us, Blue Chew. Yeah. We're going to make your dicks hard, Blue Chew. <laughs> give us some money. We'll talk about you. I'll fucking take one on air. We'll talk about it. I, I would. I would. I would do that. We'll,
0: we'll just see what comes up. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Anyways, blue chip. <laughs> so when, when Scientology heard about Paulette Cooper's book coming out, they tried. They tried to stop the publication any way possible. They used their legal abilities to threaten her publisher with lawsuits. Uh, while she was visiting Scotland for a travel story, dozens of strangers staked out her hotel. Some followed her, photographed her, and even started calling or leaving her uh, harassing phone calls. In early 1972, the Guardian office memo referred to Cooper as, quote, an unhandled attacker of Scientology, and the group stepped up its surveillance and harassment. They started researching her past, her personal life, and like, even getting into her college grades, like anything that they could find on her. Embarrass you with your college grades.
0: Yeah. It's like, C's get degrees, right, Mike? Am <laughs> yeah. I right? If
1: you saw my first semester, though, Ooh, <laughs> that's embarrassing. <laughs> I didn't know what
2: class was first few months. Scientology ramped up the harassing phone calls and to threatening ones and uh, and there was damage found to her telephone line suggesting that someone had attempted to wiretap her and that's all like basic I mean not basic that's really scary to be harassed like that.
1: It is absolutely but and that's, that's just like the tip of the iceberg
2: Yeah this is where this gets really fucked up. In 1972 the Guardian office officially launched Operation Dynamite to destroy Cooper's life There's this critical sequence of developments in in these suspicious events that occurred during December 1972, and they'll kind of make sense more when we get into this. December 6th, Paulette Cooper signed a petition offered to her by a canvasser named, quote, Margie. December 8th, the Church of Scientology in New York received two poorly written bomb threats. The church alerted the FBI, naming Paulette Cooper as, as a possible suspect. December 13th, a second threat was hand-delivered to the church. December 15th, Paulette Cooper moved to a new apartment. December 19th, Paulette Cooper's cousin was attacked by an armed intruder while staying at her old apartment.
0: They thought it was her.
2: Yeah. February 1973, anonymous flyers started to appear all over Paulette's new apartment building, accusing her of all kind of weird sexual stuff, including pedophilia.
1: Maybe even stuff we talked about at the beginning of the show. getting getting turned on by insects and amputees (laughs) and parts of the body not made for reproductive reasonings Mm, scandalous like elbows and shoulders and whatnot you know the (laughs) things people are typically into knuckles big fan of knuckles like (laughs) knuckles i love the crack knuckles love a good set of knuckles (laughs) (laughs) nothing makes me want to blue chew more than a good set of knuckles (laughs) I do crack my knuckles a lot, actually. So it's not, it's not a fetishy thing. It's just...
0: Do you like to crack other people's knuckles? Oh, You like <sighs> to stick to your own.
1: <laughs> I make me hot. Hey, girl, I'll crack your knuckles. That <laughs> worked in college. They called me old knuckle cracker. <laughs> old knuckle cracker, Mike. All right, please stop.
2: Let's go on. Paulette suspected her ex-boyfriend had been the one who provided ch- the church with... Um, with certain details that were mentioned in the letter. Um, and there were some details in it that hinted at that first bomb threat. Soon after, she received a federal grand jury subpoena and learned that she was a prime suspect in the bomb threats. Wow, that is crazy. Yeah. At the hearing, the prosecutor revealed that her fingerprint was found on the second bomb threat letter. And both letters were linked to Cooper's typewriter. This is interesting because remember old nibs? Yeah, of course. So I mean, he, forget a guy named nibs he, yeah. he he bounced back and forth like we said he tr- he thought he was gonna get that financial gain from being uh, being Elron's son didn't get it and then it, it sounded like he was like always trying to get back and back and forth like trying to get in his dad's good graces and then not okay for a time that he was not involved he started talking to Paulette Cooper and then once it was he figured out that she was like a big time enemy it was like, oh, I can get back in and get her. And he's how, it's suspected, it's not proven, but it's suspected that he's how they got access to her, her typewriter specifically. No kidding. Yeah. On May 17th, 1973, Paulette was indicted in connection with the threats. While she awaited trial, she depended heavily on several close friends, two of whom turned out to be agents of the church in Scientology. Quote, unquote, Paula had introduced been introduced to her by, quote, unquote, Margie, who is that canvasser from December that got her to sign the um that petition.
1: Right. So they had some people befriend her and become close friends.
2: Very close friends. Damn. Yep. This is what like I that's mean. That's
1: a process, it's, too. You don't become close friends with someone overnight. No. But that takes time. Put a lot years. of work in there.
2: Yeah. Yeah this is what I mean. This is what the fair game thing is. It's it's at any means necessary. And it's, I
1: can't wait till they start fair gaming us because of these episodes.
2: Well, the internet has kind of squashed that a little bit. And I think, um, I think it's, it's certain people that, that are, uh, have a lot of uh, people that are powerful or that they see as powerful that they go after. Like the guy that wrote the, the going clear book. And, um, the going clear documentary. and Like they would try to legally go after HBO a lot. And, yeah. You know, this kind of stuff is kind of, I don't think it really happens too much anymore. Maybe to, maybe they're like high profile people that defect or something. But sure. so these two people befriended her, this, this Paula and Margie Paula disappeared, just completely disappeared after out of her life. Soon after Paulette discovered a photo of a woman who resembled, who resembled her in Scientology's freedom magazine. So she's looking through magazines and sees this woman, and they're like, oh, wait a second. Oh, shit. Yeah. Quote-unquote, Jerry often stayed in her apartment and would eventually move in with her for several months, during which he reported everything to the guardian office. So this guy, I'm not sure if he was like a boyfriend or just like a really close friend that Mm -hmm. talked his way into moving in with her, but the whole time he was a Scientology person.
0: They got their hooks in all over the place here.
2: Yep. In one memo, he noted that if Paulette became depressed enough to commit suicide, quote, wouldn't this be a great thing for Scientology? Jeez. some terrible people. On several occasions, he tried to talk her into standing with him on a dangerous ledge of her 33rd floor apartment.
1: Uh, Because that's a great idea, ever, even (laughs) if it is with your actual friend. (laughs) Jesus.
2: Uh... Jerry disappeared after Paulette found his name in a Scientology publication and confronted him about it. So he just vanished. Later, former Scientology operatives would identify him as a man using the alias Don Alverzo, was was the church's most senior spy at the time, and was also a big player in Operation Snow White, which we had a little bit about him in there, but we he had to kind of gloss over it for the sake of this episode. It was yeah, right. <laughs> a little intense, but he was a big player in that, too. So, so, I mean, it's like this is all going on at the same time. So, th- that guy is living with her, you know, trying to talk her into going up on buildings and shit. And then, then he's rolling over to yeah. do Operation Snow White stuff. It's crazy. Well, he could have
0: just pushed her off the ledge and, you know, go on back inside and say she jumped. There wouldn't be any proof to the contrary. Right.
2: Yeah. Meanwhile, they just continued this smear campaign. In March, a smear letter was sent to her parents. Similar letters addressed to her boyfriend, which also threatened his career. And it would have, those would eventually destroy their relationship. She never went to trial for this stuff. Um, she made a deal with the U.S. Attorney's Office in which she admitted no guilt. On September 16, 1975, the U.S. Attorney's Office formally threw out the case. It, it, she avoided trial but she still feared that the indictment becoming public would damage her career she failed a polygraph test early on but as
1: which, we know from past episodes yeah those can't really be held up in the court of law and they're bullshit right because they could
0: back then though could well yeah
1: yeah yeah um but hear she, more about that in travis walton fire in the sky available in the archives <laughs> but she um
2: but she passed the truth serum test shortly before the indictment was dropped which, what's the truth what's serum test? They give you truth serum? So it's sodium pentothal. Yeah. Yeah. And then they question you while you're under it. Because at that can time. Can we do
1: a bonus episode where one of us takes that?
2: I don't know how you would get your hands on sodium pentothal. We
1: got, we got, I got connections.
2: All right. No. Yeah. That would be wild. Um, that would be a fun show. Den- I know dentists used it. Uh, because yeah, that mythical Michael Jackson episode, <laughs> the truth serum comes up.
1: I don't remember that being in it. Yeah, the first. I, I kid. also was 117 pages of notes that we read. Yeah, so that first kid for that Michael Jackson episode someday will be released. Yep. can't wait. I don't think anyone has ever told us no. I'm wanting to <laughs> I don't hear think it. So it's just this guy over here doesn't.
2: Want oh, to... I don't care. I'll do it. Whatever. Harassment of Cooper continued into 1974. Her father's office received copies of pages from the diaries she kept as a teenager and still had in her possession, which is super fucking creepy. How'd they get those? Or the guy that was living there, I'm sure, right? I didn't even think of that. Fuck. Yeah. In early 1975, the Guardian's office agents broke into the office of Cooper's college psychiatrist and stole her records. Later that year... Cooper began receiving copies of her medical records in the mail from anonymous senders. This is just off That's the chart. Nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's like
1: just psychological fucking torture. Torture, yeah. Yeah, I mean,
2: exactly. it's, it's literally what the fair game law says. Destroy this person. In 1976, Hubbard and the guardian office were frustrated by their failure to silence her because she, I mean, she kept going. She was like, fuck this, you know. Good kept for Speaking her. out about him, yeah. yeah. Um, they developed a new campaign to discredit her named Operation Freak Out. Operation what, Mike? Freak Out, Freak Out. Ooh, yeah.
1: uh (laughs) (laughs) Hurts my throat to
2: do. You do it so well, though. Its goal was to have Cooper, quote, incarcerated in a mental institution or jail or at least hit her so hard that she drops her attacks. That's a quote from a memo. No, no,
1: no, not today.
2: The plan included staging multiple incidents involving imposters, false reports, and planted items. Central to the plot was another series of bomb threat letters, one concerning the treatment of Israel, which was delivered to an Arab embassy. Another would be addressed to uh, Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. The new campaign included another scheme to get Cooper's fingerprint on a piece of paper. She ex- suspected that an attempt was made to get her fingerprint when a stranger approached her in a bar with a clipboard. And around the same time, she learned that someone impersonating her had made phone calls to her friends.
1: So the clipboard was probably like whatever that gimmick she signed earlier with yeah. Margie, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Like, the she, original
0: fingerprint? Yeah. Yeah, that
2: makes sense. She was smart to that. Yeah. Uh, in the end, Operation Freakout was never implemented um operation it, what? Freak out, freak out, <laughs> not today. Uh-uh.
1: Ooh yeah. <laughs> Dig it. Snap into a solution. <laughs>
2: yeah, at least not fully. They, they I mean it sounded like they tried to do some of it, but not all of it. It's it sounded like she could have complicated the plan by moving to Los Angeles to assist with her defense in, in a lawsuit that she had going against Scientology. An affidavit by former Scientologists alleges that in 1977 the church was plotting to assassinate her, but there's no uh, other sources co- corroborate this, despite tons of documentation about attempts to ruin her life and her reputation. Mm. She was ultimately vindicated when the FBI raided Scientology offices in 1977 and recovered documents relating to, to the operation and all the harassment of her and everything.
0: Did they charge anyone with anything?
2: Well, we're going to get to some charges. I, rela- relating to her, yeah. n- n- not that I know of, no. Well, all this was going on. So all this shit with uh, Operation Freakout. Operation what? Freakout. <laughs>
1: I like how like you pumped. <laughs> right. Freak out! Freak out! Oh, yeah! <laughs> Dig it!
2: While well, that's going, going on? on in uh in Operation Snow White, Hubbard had a stroke in 1975, and and sailing around on the Apollo was officially over. Oh, because he went back out the fucking sea and was doing his shit. They missile pitching people overboard. He's like, <laughs> yeah. I got to get back out there.
1: <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Love chipping paint and watching them chip paint.
2: <laughs> so it was it was officially over. And he set up shop in Clearwater, Florida, purchasing the eleven story Fort Harrison Hotel for two point three million dollars in the old bank of Clearwater building for around five hundred thousand dollars. He bought that shit all in cash.
0: I love Clearwater. I don't know if I can ever go back Clearwater there now. I'm sports. probably a suppressive person. Uh <laughs> you know follow me around when i get off the plane
2: it is gorgeous it's yeah, nice i love it down there yeah he he set up shop and made it the official headquarters of scientology in the u.s i you know he bought it in cash and because obviously all this had to be done in secret he couldn't himself couldn't be connected to any of it i mean he wasn't wanted or anything because well we'll get into it in a minute but he, they just wanted him for questioning still yeah. at this point, but still he, you know, he He didn't want to answer questions. No, no, no. <laughs> but soon the secret got out that he was back in the US because while he was getting fit for a new suit, the tailor mentioned that he was a big science fiction fan and Hubbard just couldn't help himself and told the tailor <laughs> who he was. <laughs> He's probably like gritting his, his
0: his mouth trying to keep it shut and all that's, that's me, that's me. I'm El Rani.
2: I wrote buckskin brigades.
1: <laughs> well, when a guy's got his hands that close to your junk, I feel like you just you, you're often feeling the need to be honest and truthful with someone like that. Okay. So I can measure in your you know your taint and whatever to make <laughs> everything fit properly.
2: So the the tailor was a big fan of of Hubbard too. He's like, oh shit, you know. So he went back to his wife to tell her, then she told her friends, and soon reporters were at Hubbard's door, like asking him questions. You <laughs> yeah. know. So once again, he fled to La Quinta, California, to a grapefruit farm where he started filming movies. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: what kind of movies was he filming? Uh, a lot of nonsense. One of them... Um,
1: With all that extra money, what are you going to do? Yeah.
2: One of them, I know, involved uh, the bombing of an FBI office. <laughs> so maybe back to oh, that magic. real smart. Maybe back to that magic, trying to will
1: something <laughs> into existence. <laughs> <That is>. Motherfucker. <laughs>
2: But there, he had a certain young messenger member working as his cameraman named David Miscavige. Get
1: used to that name, folks. You're going to hear it a lot the next week
2: or two. Yeah, it's like a dun-dun-dun moment. (laughs) (laughs) Dun-dun-dun! Hubbard took a liking to Miscavige and and appointed him to the head of the messengers. On October 26, 1979, five of the Scientologists involved in Operation Snow White were sentenced to four years in jail. With four of the convicted taken immediately. Mary Sue Hubbard was sentenced to five years. And the next day, four remaining Scientologists were
1: sentenced. Three and that was dopey, sleepy, and happy, <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: three of the four sentenced three of the four were sentenced to five years in jail. And the fourth was fined a thousand dollars and sent to jail for six months. I think all these
1: assholes belong in jail for a long time. Yeah. So it's only a thousand dollar fine in six months or uh, in jail for six months. That last one. That's easy.
2: I don't know what their role in it was sure. specifically. I know like in the in the uh, like the investigation and the court documents, Hubbard was named as a um, an unindicted conspirator yeah. for this. Which they, means he was involved. Unindicted
0: co conspirator. He's involved, but they don't have enough to right personally indict him. Like
2: they, Meanwhile, he's making movies about FBI buildings getting blown up. <laughs> <off. laughs> they knew damn well that he was behind this whole mm. thing, but his name was never on anything. It was all linked back to Mary Sue. So what can you do? Yeah. Put, put my wife in prison. Sorry. No. Yeah, and he's out there making movies this whole time. <laughs> Oh, he didn't show up to court for her sentencing? Oh, fuck no. He never (laughs) saw her again after this shit. That was it. Um, I'm
1: starting to think L. Ron Hubbard's not a very nice person. (laughs) Or a good (laughs) individual. Why would you (laughs) say such a thing? Wow. That's a twist in this plot.
2: Like, the messengers, there would be... um, Like, letters would come out there. Like, updates on the case. Like, hey, Mary Sue's facing... Because she was facing 17 years in jail, and it got knocked down to five, but... Um, you know, I'd be like, "Hey, your wife, uh, Mary Sue's facing seventeen years in jail and shit." And the messengers would just cut that part out of the letter, <laughs> or just throw it fuck away, wow. so he didn't even see it. Yeah, because they they say they need he needed to be kept on his lines or whatever the fuck that mm. means.
1: Don't throw off his e meter.
2: Yeah, exactly. The guys, fucking clear. You can't go giving him bad news. Yeah. Soon after, a court ruled that documents related to the case could be released to the public, and the media ran wild with it. Feeling the heat from the media and facing a possible indictment for the harassment campaign against Paulette Cooper, Hubbard would flee one last time. He disappeared with two of his most trusted messengers, Patton and Broker. For the first few years of of the 1980s, Hubbard and the Brokers lived on the move, going from uh, the Pacific Northwest in an RV and living for a while in apartments in Newport Beach in Los Angeles. Hubbard used this time in hiding to write his first new works of science fiction for nearly 30 years, Battlefield Earth and Mission Earth. A great movie with Travolta. Yeah, No, it's not. <laughs> it's terrible. The cover surprise, surprise, me- I haven't seen it. The cover <laughs> of the movie is fucking ridiculous. Oh, it's so bad. Over the next six years, the messengers were led by David Miscavige, who would run Scientology, supposedly getting orders from Hubbard and being the only ones who knew his true whereabouts. The last words anyone would hear from Hubbard came on January 19th, 1986, where he announced that he was promoting himself to the rank of admiral. Well, shit, why not, right? <laughs>
0: like He's been a Commodore for long enough. Yeah. He's gained the necessary
2: experience. Get there! Come on. <laughs> and the brokers to loyal officers five days later on january 24th 1986 hubbard supposedly died from another stroke
0: why do you say supposedly is there any question about what actually happened to him
2: yeah, i mean there's not nothing confirmed I mean, he's out yeah. on the run and then all of a sudden six days later after he, he announced himself to be uh Admiral, he's dead. Yeah, it's a little. Admiral driving around in the RV in the (laughs) Pacific Northwest. It's a little. There's some questions about it out there. Shortly after David Miscavige gathered 1,800 Scientologists to the Hollywood Palladium and told them that Hubbard had finished his earthly research, and in order to continue his levels of OT, Hubbard had to discard his body and move on to the next level. Oh yeah. Mm few months later miscavige declared that the written promotions of the brokers was a fraud and with help of fellow messengers he purged any high-ranking scientologists in his way and took over complete control of the church and that's where we'll pick up on part four we'll land Crazy. this final
1: part four
2: we'll land this fucking thing with david miscavige all the high-profile defectors if you can't views. tell
1: Ian is over this research. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> how does that all work,
2: though? How do you take over a church like? I, I'd be
0: curious how all that worked behind the scenes, like how the real estate holdings and all that was titled, and that's what how he actually did that. So
2: try to get into that next yeah, week.
0: That's a, that's interesting. Yeah.
2: Oh, that's try a to, hell of a teaser. How
0: you can take over a church like that and all their holdings and everything?
2: Yeah, yeah. We're gonna deep dive into that next week, and wherever else this fucking thing takes me. Well, no doubt, I'm doing it. <laughs> been a little bit of a a journey it's not boring though it's an it's it's It's, just such a strange story it's really interesting this this
1: part was really fun
2: i thought yeah last week was a little tough with all the the nonsense tone scale and all that fucking ridiculous shit yeah but this week was mostly truthful stuff like xenu and (laughs) all that kind of stuff yeah the blue streak, the green dragon, oh, yeah. and the red uh, right. red whatever, dread, whatever red, red dragon or something.
0: If you're a famous killed. race car driver, who, who did who did uh, Dale Earnhardt come back as after his crash?
1: I think no, I think he was Dale. Earnhardt. Oh, that makes <laughs> sense. And again, crashed and died. This guy needs <laughs> to find something fucking else to do with his life. <laughs> come on, man. You think he maybe learn. he was evil? Knievel. He died. Maybe he was doing he can all of be his stunts. whoever he wants to be. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. Okay. Yep. I think I was Jim Morrison. You might have been. Yeah. Bonus episode. Tune in, though, to hear that story about my life as Jim Morrison. That's not a college nickname. You really were Jim Morrison. No, yeah. That's not a joke. Yeah. I was really Jim Morrison in a past life. <laughs> and I came back as, you know, podcast star Mike. Oh, man. <laughs> that's great. Ian, Ian, you got anything else for uh, part three of Scientology? No,
2: I'm trying to think if I Oh, you know what? Just real quick. I said that the Corgi became clear. Yeah. Yeah, Vixie. Elron's son, Quentin. There it's like a whole sidebar with him, but he ended up committing suicide and it like just made a real mood around there like the, you know, just really like While
0: they were on the ship?
2: Uh afterwards mm. when they were off for a period of time, the Corgi's then for whatever reason, the Corgi was then declared as clear. So anytime the, the corgi barked at somebody, it was like there's something wrong with that person. Oh like, the oh wrong. Boy. So people would come over to their house and like the corgi would bark and they would people would like legit freak out, like, What I am not doing anything like, <laughs> like Please don't throw me overboard. <laughs> like they were afraid they were gonna have to like go audit again or something wow. because the corgi was now clear. S P alert, S P alert. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's
2: all I got fucking corgi
1: that was a good tidbit yeah dave you got anything else to put no, a bell on no. this one
0: no this is out of control
1: all right for patreon uh, a quick clear up from a uh mistake i read last uh week maybe it was two weeks ago i don't remember but i incorrectly uh said somebody a patron's name so thank you very much and a shout out to Uh, glasshopper so groovy i appreciate it i think i called you a grasshopper or a cockroach or whatever i did but whoever whoever has those insect fetish uh, fetishes probably loved that mistake that i made but blew a load all over their phone (laughs) right anyways no she's a good listener she's in the discord she's she's really cool so uh apologies and a shout out to glasshopper so groovy also new patrons this week uh, thank you very much to Emery, Rachel Cuthrell, Greg Easterly, and Florencia Valmiller. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you guys are interested in becoming patrons, we are at patreon.com slash necronomapod. Three bonus episodes a month. It's a ton of fun. Uh, Ian, what do you, shout out you got? For iTunes, I have nothing tonight. We've
2: gotten a, a bunch of reviews again, but nothing uh, nothing written. I don't know if it's... There. Things, like it's taken a long time to upload again, or, or what? But if it uploads, we'll get to you. And then, I mean, we've had a bunch on um, on
1: Castbox, a bunch of comments. What the hell was that one comment on Castbox that called one of us out? Or raking somebody. It was either Dave or me. Probably me. <laughs> yeah, with your LA attitude. Or yeah. yeah. Say I'm going into business for myself. <laughs> they feel bad for you. We don't know for sure that it was me, but I'm assuming it was me. <laughs> going to business for myself and don't care about you guys and the listener feels bad for you i get it well i get it yeah as long as you listen whatever pain in the ass putting up with me
2: but yeah we've had a lot of a lot of good ones on there it's been cool downloads are uh on the rise yeah pretty
1: pretty pretty good
2: good. so i I appreciate everybody that's uh that's been listening and thank you very very much very cool Dave,
1: anything? Uh, any shout-outs?
0: Uh, just a shout-out to our friends at Close the Hatch. They sent us some merch, uh, great shirts. So thanks, guys.
1: Yeah, appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. They're, we'll all, the they're on
0: Spotify. It's a really good tune. So uh, look them up. Close the Hatch on Spotify. Good stuff.
1: All right. Appreciate uh, it. Uh, we are on the socials at Necronomapod, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. I think where you can find us on YouTube there as well. So um, thanks for all the support. We appreciate it.
2: All right. You guys ready for a cool down beer? Cheers!